0: Well Father Jeffrey, we're here to begin recording our new series on the lamplighting Psalms um, and for those listeners who who don't know, Father Jeffrey and I have actually already finished recording our series on the lamplighting Psalms We did all five parts uh, getting close to what two two and a half two hours two and a half hours of of content uh, us chatting and now we are going to record a couple of reflections and tease the audience about Uh, what's to come, uh, and kind of some of the major themes, just to give you a bit of a preview. Um, As as me and Father Jeffrey were talking about before we started recording, it's kind of a funny situation in that we have to speak as though it's still coming, even though for us, we've already finished recording it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I have this habit when I speak sometimes of announcing, you know, a kind of agenda for my talk And forgetting to come back to every point that I've told people I'm going to tell them, uh, at least in this case, I know I have already said the things that it will announce that I will say. So that's perfect. It's a help.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um, So one of the big things that I've taken away from this study. So I I guess actually we should just lay out the groundwork. So the lamplighting Psalms are a series of four Psalms from the Book of Psalms, but they're not a, a sequential series. Um, Do you want to go through, Father Jeffrey, the numbering and and how they're stitched together?
1: Right. And so we'll use the numbering as usual from the Greek Septuagint, but you'll add one to each of these uh, if you're following along in Hebrew to English translation, which would be most of of the Bible. So we start with Psalm uh, 140 and then Psalm 141, then 129 and then 116. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And if you are uh, using... Yeah, if you're using the masoretic you just add 1 to those to those numbers. Right. Um yeah, so those so the first two are obviously one after the other in the book of Psalms, right? 140 and 141 they come right after the other. Often actually they're read in church as if they're just one psalm.
1: Well, that's the weird thing I think is even a lot of our listeners might even wonder why we're talking about four different psalms i mean surely we're just talking about that hymn called lord i call and then there's a bunch of kind of disconnected verses that are sung in between the stikera the the kind of hymns of the day and and so forth and that's usually how people experience them so part of what we're going to do in these podcasts is you know Resituate them as four separate psalms that are interconnected and they ultimately have a kind of, you know, trajectory or directionality to them. There's a, a movement that takes place, you know, within them. They are, they are constructed as individual psalms, but they work really well together as a kind of overall pattern for this place in, in the service. But so recovering them as psalms is one of the goals of what we're going to do. And we'll look at each of them in turn with the individual themes that they have but also see how those themes interconnect and then indeed fit into the the entirety of the service uh, of vespers as we celebrate it
0: yeah so one of the one of the things that we so we talk a lot about basically the trajectory of the psalms how all four of these psalms actually work together uh-huh. to put even though they're not necessarily sequential we have 140, 141 141 129, 116, but they're put together and they actually have a bit of a a trajectory to them. What we actually don't talk about in this series that I think we'll have to do in another series is um, talking about those stanzas that are interspersed, those little hymns or hymnlets, whatever you want to call them, that are uh, interspersed uh, within that. Um, So yeah, for this series, we're actually not covering those. We're mostly focusing on just the Psalms themselves.
1: How long a series would that have to be, though, to cover all the stanzas that might be interspersed in those? That is basically the entire content of our, you know, liturgical tradition from the Menean, from the Triodian, the Pentecostarian, etc. But you're right, I think there is a... You know, a sense in which it's worth mentioning. You know those, but but ultimately, that is what we would call the propers of, of the the vespers service, right? The the stuff that mm-hmm. pertains to the day, as opposed mm-hmm. to the overall structure in which those propers are are placed. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, we we mentioned a little bit about how uh, you know those interfere a little bit with the fact that these are Psalms, right? Um, but maybe not, right. you know, so much that it it undermines the, the whole point of, of them being there, right? So that uh, we can still experience something of what the Psalms mean and their placement in the service, even though, you know, they rudely get interrupted, <laughs> as it yeah, were, yeah. by by the the cantor or choir, you know, talking about the or singing about the things of the day.
0: One of the things we talked about is actually, um, I think we talked about it at some point. If we didn't, we can talk about it now, but how to actually do Vespers at home as well. And and one of the things you can actually do is with these four Psalms, if you're, say, praying Vespers at home, um, you might not actually have access to all these stanzas to intersperse at the right times. So actually, in your daily prayer life, if you're reading Vespers at home, you might actually read these four Psalms just in a row, right, And and actually get to know them as a as a distinct uh, section of the service and then when you actually go to church on Saturday evening you might uh that's when you might get that extra festal interspersing of stanzas um but you might still actually catch the trajectory of the psalms themselves
1: you know that is an absolutely brilliant suggestion and it's one i do make to you know parishioners of mine who people forever asking about how you know how do we do a daily prayers or whatever. And yes, over the last couple of centuries, these things have have emerged called, you know, prayer books, you know, but traditionally Orthodox Christians pray the liturgy of the hours at home. And so absolutely, I think this is uh, the way to experience it. Even it it, it takes into consideration, you know, daily Vespers is different from a festival or Great Vespers, in that you hear more of the Psalms. And so even if you extend that to the church that is your home and do it in that way, uh, you're quite right. When you, when you come and hear it, maybe, you know, truncated a little bit and interspersed with, with other hymns, you're not losing, you know, that kind of narrative sense. Similarly, you know, Things like the Beatitudes in the liturgy, I mean, it is actually appointed to do stanzas in between that, or we hear stanzas done between the verses of the Beatitudes at a funeral in the Orthodox Church. But it's only because you know the Beatitudes so well on their own, without interruption that that can kind of work in a, in an effective way so by all means learn these psalms you know as they are as 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 the series that they are but also as discrete four separate psalms and what each of them represent and that way your experience of them however they're presented in in Vespers will be that much the more powerful
0: so most people will recognize this section of Vespers because it is the moment when the chanter or the choir begins singing, uh, Lord, I have called, right, uh, in the appointed tone of the day. And then the priest or the deacon actually, uh, I should say the presbyter and the deacon actually starts sensing at that moment as well. So it's it's a bit of a bigger liturgical moment. Um, but right now, what I'm going to do is play um, a clip of um, the cantor at Holy Merbears in Toronto, Peter Drobach, singing the first two stanzas of The Lord I've Called verses. So uh, Peter, take it away, and then I'll check back in with you after that. Lord, I
2: call upon my prayer Be an sacrifice.
0: Hear me, o Lord. All right, so Peter sang, uh, uh, "Lord, I've called right there," and I guess my question, Father Jeffrey, is: I've been to some churches where they actually. Only sing that part, and then they skip right to the stanzas. I've been to some churches where they actually read the whole psalm. Uh, again, at home you can always sing the first stanzas if you have the ability, and then just read the psalm without any of the stanzas. So, yeah, I just wanted to get your take on why are, is only the first bit sung? Is everything sung? How does that all work?
1: Yeah, so we're back again into this, um, you know, separate practice that emerged, you know, in the city, the cathedral. The more sung festive service versus the more monastic practice that came from desert. And you know, we've talked before about how those aren't actually strictly speaking separate rites, that so they were more kind of orientations. And, and it was more common in the, the bigger churches in the cities to, to sing as much of the service as possible. And so sometimes you got excerpts from Psalms, but they were sung more melismatically and, and had more ritual associated with them. So at the very beginning here, we get something that is probably directly out of the cathedral rite, you know, so we're singing, you know, with great um, enthusiasm and in the tone of of, of the day or, you know, of the first stikerin or or stanza to come, uh, those verses. And in fact, it is still appointed to do the entirety of the Psalms, but what usually would have happened in that practice is, you know, you'd you have a reader chanting the verses of the psalms, but then there would be a refrain, something like, hear, hear me, O Lord, over and over again, sung by the choir. And so, you know, you have this real participation of the singers, of all the people gathered, because the, the refrains are easy to remember and and sing back and so forth. But typically, you know, over time, things drop out. And so, you know, normally now it's sort of a great Vespers or a festal Vespers, which for most Orthodox Christians, is the only kind of Vespers they'll end up experiencing, because that's what, you know, when we gather together in the church, it's usually because it's a feast. Every Sunday is a feast. So that, you know, Saturday evening Vespers has this character. And so rather than singing or, you know, chanting the whole psalm and having that refrain sung, we skip from the sung first couple of verses right to those specific verses that will intersperse with the stanzas of the of the day, the propers. Uh, whereas if you were in a you know, a place where a daily Vespers was celebrated, whether that's, you know, obviously in monasteries and places like that, maybe larger churches where they have more of a daily schedule, or indeed we're doing it at home. It is much more normal to to do the entirety of the Psalms in that context. And you know, that's where you'll hear it. And you know, because it's not the full great or festal Vespers, it's not sung with any refrains or anything, but just chanted. And you get more of a sense of... Those are separate psalms or of a series of psalms that that fit together rather than just being the the filler between you know the, the real meat of the day which is the which is the the propers of the feast or of the saint or, or whatever um so so yeah i mean it, there's different modes and, and those come ultimately out of desert and city practice from from ancient times but we we kind of pick up and use them in different ways today in the church and uh, the, the great thing is that it does allow us to do as you suggested to extend that into our our own homes, where you know we're not going to do high level of ritual uh, and, and and vesture and, and and movement and and lighting and, and and all sorts of things and singing, but there is a mode of doing vespers in a way that is appropriate in the home environment. Just in our icon corner, we can do much of what a daily vespers service is all about.
0: The podcast you're listening to reflects only the public half of the overall project of Enacting the Kingdom. Father Jeffrey and I actively post new episodes on our completely separate private podcast. This private space gives us the freedom to debate and discuss open and sometimes controversial questions regarding the Orthodox faith amongst a smaller and more dedicated audience. If you become a patron now, you'll get immediate access to our growing backlog of private episodes, including a discussion on the ordination of women and the coronavirus multiple spoon controversy. To get access to this private podcast, go to pryingpriest.com. Looking forward to having you join our growing community on Patreon. Now back to the show. One of the things that struck me in our conversation was the topic of like practicing being sad. So uh, obviously in the actual series for the uh, biblical context, which is the next episode after this, we actually read through the Psalms. We look at the actual uh, meaning, what's being said. In our episode on the narrative trajectory, we talk about the the movement. Um, But in that last episode we do, we talk about practicing being sad. And and I think that that is a weird thing for people to hear. Or, I guess, Father Jeffrey, what did you mean by that in our discussion?
1: Well, this connects to the whole notion of whose words are these, right? Uh, When we hear words of great isolation and sorrow and suffering of descent to the pits of the darkness of human experience, you know, what are we hearing? You know, and there's been a tendency, you know, to, to say, oh, well, those are the words of the unredeemed humanity, right? That that somehow belongs to the past. Now Christ has come and salvation is here. And so, you know, thank goodness that no longer happens. Right. Um, And of course, we're all kind of looking around, you know, our eyes shifting from one person to another thinking, boy, I hope nobody knows I still experience that, you know, because, Obviously, if I do, I'm not a Christian, right? Because to be a Christian is all joy and kittens. But the reality is these are not words of the unfaithful, but the words of the faithful. Though Every single word uttered in the Psalms comes from a member of God's covenant community, a member of the redeemed community of God. And so when we appropriate them, we realize that We have some way of learning how to experience all of these parts of what it means to be human, the, the betrayal of a friend or the, the illness and suffering of, our, of a family member or the great isolation that we feel when we're separated from the community of the church or the temptation that we have when we're surrounded by iniquity and, and all kinds of things and traps that are, are set to kind of bring us down. Whenever we experience that, there is a faithful way to live that. And that's why these Psalms are presented to us. And at this point investors it's not about saying now let's you know think about what it was like before Christ came it's not that at all it's let's live together in this concentrated and rehearsed way how to experience this in life these you know when we go through that descent pattern of of human experience there is a continual you know trajectory that is out of that again and in each of these psalms the move is made from isolation, to community, from from despair, to hope, from lament, to praise, and ultimately to a praise that encom- encompasses and, and, and brings together all the nations of the world. I mean, this is a marvelous way of, of learning how to be human. And even if you haven't already brought, you know, with you, I mean, most people will have, right? I mean, most people will have experienced something like that, and maybe have just been too scared to admit it, because of course, you're supposed to put on this mask of piety and so forth as a Christian. But if you are honest and vulnerable and you drop that mask, then you will know that you have experienced these things before. But even if you haven't, even if you're, you know, young or you have not yet had these kinds of horrible experiences in life, this is a way of learning how to do it. When that does come, how do you make the move from sadness or suffering into joy and healing and hope and the forgiveness and grace of God's covenant community and that's what we we learn by by really Im- learning to embody and enact the words of the Psalms as they are presented to us, that we really, really must reclaim them as faithful people rather than understanding them as, you know, well, that's what it's like when I'm not with Christ. No, this is what it is like to live as a Christian. And then go back to the Gospels and you'll hear on every page that we are not promised a bed of roses, you know, as Christians, that precisely the path of the Psalmist is the one that, that lies before us. So let's Learn how to do it, and let's learn how to live that in our, our lives. Um, you know, as a result of this ritualized, concentrated, rehearsed way of living that is the liturgy.
0: I'm very excited about the series. One of the reasons is because I think we really hit a groove, Father Jeffrey. Um, we hit we hit a lot on a lot of these liturgical topics, and um, I, I was just very excited every episode to be chatting with you. And, and then as we started digging into it. It got more and more exciting, and I'm just really excited to share that with uh, with all of our listeners. So I hope all of you out there, you enjoy the series. Uh, I think it's our best yet. And after this series, I think the next one, Father Jeffrey, is going to be on um, O Glads Light.
1: Very good. That is the, the light that is the culmination of these lamp-lighting songs. So marvelous.
0: You've just finished listening to another public episode of Enacting the Kingdom. If you're getting value from this podcast and you'd like to support the show, you can head over to pryingpriest.com to become a patron. Also, five-star ratings with written reviews go a long way to getting the word out there about this show. Also, since enacting the kingdom is social media free, any word-of-mouth recommendations you can make to your friends and family would be greatly appreciated. We'll see you next time.